The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Jesus replied, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John fourteen six. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I have the pleasure of your company for an hour this week to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God crops up in the ordinariness of our lives and keeps us smiling. Everywhere I turn, I'm being told to trust, but it's so much easier to fret and worry. I have a long way to go. The temperature was warming up here in England, but it got cold again for the last week of Wimbledon, which I've not been watching, by the way, although everyone else I know has. Today, it's making a valiant attempt to be sunny, and hopefully the forecast is good for the weekend. Each week, I manage to entice a truly marvelous person to pop over and join me for part of the show. I should offer intangibles like social media exposure, except my website is still under construction, and who wants to visit an unfinished site? I'd offer plates of sandwiches or pour cups of tea to if I could, but you're out there and I'm over here. Still, my fearless guests join me anyway to talk about aspects of family life, which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy. Returning to chat with me today is Gretchen Rowe from the Calvert School with some tips for unplugging our children, so don't stray far from your computer. I'm drinking a Peruvian coffee and nibbling on one of the salty caramel fudge bars Dorts brings home from her store. Mustn't spoil my dinner, though. Obedience is ongoing. One summer day at the beach, a super musical, building relationships and 4th of July celebrations are on the cards today, and I'm ready to start. So what are we waiting for? A happy 4th of July for yesterday. And for all of you who are celebrating this weekend, be safe, eat well, and be proud to be American. My blue-eyed cowboy has been craving a chili dog for months, so we went out and bought one of those dinky little one-use grills that are sold in the supermarkets here. Really, the weather is so bad, all we need is a disposable grill for the one day of summer. We roasted a bit of chicken and some dogs, got chips in from the chippy and baked us some beans, ate coleslaw from Sainsbury's, which is really good, and we played patriotic tunes. And three people actually wished him happy 4th of July, which is more than they've done for the last couple of years. No fireworks here, though, not until later in July when they go crazy over the Thames during the proms at the Royal Albert Hall. Did you notice that I used the word dinky? I meant it to mean twee or small. In my Scrabble game online, I was allowed to use what I thought to be a verb version of this adjective, dinking, which on looking it up doesn't mean participating in being small. It means drop-shotting a ball over a net so that it just makes it to the other side, making it impossible to return. Dinking. Okay? 
That was a little bit of information for you. I love words. And news of my children in America. The critical car situation is all under control now. Where are you in urban Texas without a car and no superb public transport to help out? Our oldest son had his bushings replaced and drove our car for a few days. I know I should have said, shouldn't have said yes to his request, but I did. And it's now safely back in storage. He said it was a very smooth ride. He had to insure himself since we were only paying for non-driving coverage. Our school teacher, school teacher daughter, blew out a tire on her car when she hit a curb. Hey, that happens. Did damage her struts too, which made it unsafe and noisy to drive. Her blue-eyed dad bought replacements, which took a couple of days to arrive, so she had to sit at home twiddling her thumbs and hating every minute of it without a car. Finally, she was able to drive to our trusty mechanic and get it repaired. But there was something else wrong. Don't you just hate that? Like going to the dentist for a cleaning and coming out with a crown? Her cluster's on the blink. That sounds like a load of wires going who knows where and getting tangled up with each other. And it is. Anyway, when that goes wrong, which it is trying to do, she has no dashboard display, which isn't fun. She doesn't know then how slow she's going or whether she needs petrol. She had to go to the dealership to find out about that as it was a recall item. But the recall... in and then went off first thing the next morning and had to sit for three hours at the dealership while they ran a diagnostic, cleaned the cluster, and that cleaning could last a week or a year. And they gave her a bill, trusty parental credit card to the rescue. She was talking to us, actually, because, you know, we're six hours ahead here in England. So she was up at the dealership at seven o'clock in the morning, which was one o'clock lunchtime here. So she was able to talk to us. She was quoted a terrible price for a new cluster, but Pops has found one online for a fraction of the cost and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Oh, and in fact, we don't have car problems here in England because we use the public transport, which is such a blessing. Talking about crossing bridges, it was the Feast of St. Thomas on Wednesday, you know, Doubting Thomas. And it made me think he crossed a bridge from doubt to belief when he saw the risen Christ in person and declared, my Lord and my God. Suddenly, he was on the other side of doubting. Jesus says something a little harsh in response, I think, because all the other disciples had seen him the previous week. Listen to what Jesus says. Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Wham! John 20, 28 to 29. And that's us, isn't it? We didn't see, but we believe. I don't know about you, though. I have to keep recrossing that bridge in my life. Thomas was also the reason Jesus responded with my opening verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He had asked when Jesus said, and you know the way where I am going. He said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know that way? Bravo, Thomas, for asking all the questions I would have loved to ask, but wouldn't for fear of being laughed at. Well, my married son and his wife are in Michigan today, where the in-laws live, for a second wedding. Today is exactly three months after their first. Not many couples get hitched twice. The event is going to be as large as their Dallas shindig in April. 
the whole works, the justice of the peace, a photographer, full reception and cake. Oh, I wish I was there. I do so love a party. Elsie Mack is wearing her dress again and our son has bought a fancy suit that can be worn for other occasions. And I'm looking forward to hearing how everything goes today and looking through another set of photos without me in them. I'll give you an update next week. They had to take their babies with them on the long drive. Welcome to the world without mum and dad. They have two blue-winged macaws and Bella the raccoon. They couldn't trust anyone to feed them three times a day. Heck no. Since their car was full, it had a wedding dress, you know how big those are, chair covers that needed to go back, and other paraphernalia for the party. The raccoon was in her cage behind the passenger seat and the birds had to be held on the passenger's lap in a laundry basket. Bella, like an irritating child, wouldn't be quiet for the whole journey. 1,100 miles miles of trilling. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) When they stopped for the night, they had to sneak the animals in and feed them, but Bella would not hush up, so they had to put her back in the car. Luckily, they were in Kentucky, where it was cooler than Texas. They use positive reinforcement to train their animals, which works well for children too, but in the early stages, it's a challenge for all concerned. In my house, when we were training child training or training children, if we were even the slightest bit flexible when enforcing a rule or commandment, especially with a favoured child, haha, we didn't have any of those, our micromanaging preteens picked up on our slip and stored it securely in their hearts to ponder at a later time. By building a foundation of obedience from the start and demanding it unwaveringly and across the board, we made sure there were no later times to hold over our heads. Well, not many anyway. And looking around my social circle today, I find a distinct lack of parent-child delineation. Now, I think parents can befriend their children and live with them harmoniously without barking at each other. But in the early years, parents must be parents at a level to which they have decided is best for them and theirs. Boundaries need to be established and some young parents in my sites aren't setting boundaries for themselves, let alone for their children. They're letting their children get the better of them for wide and various reasons. They're running circles around them. I grew so frustrated by my American counterparts who crumbled under offspring pressure that I was probably guilty of overcompensating when it came to hammering home a few stiff upper lips onto the countenances of my children and calling it unwavering obedience. Don't cringe. I wasn't cruel. My boundaries just needed defending. At my boarding school, the social rules about being fair and keeping our emotions firmly under control when we were got the better of was pounded into us rigorously. In Britain, it's referred to as developing a stiff upper lip. I'd shed the very British notion of not displaying feelings and encouraged my children to show appropriate emotions. The key word here is appropriate. Being a spoiled, sassy, angry brat doesn't fit the bill. My children were obedient from the get-go because I laid a simple groundwork with few rules that served to make the transition from dink, dual income, no kids, to oilk, I made that one up, one income, lots of kids, 
painless. In my book, obedience is not classified as such if it is accompanied by inappropriate emotions, such as the rolling of the eyes, a huff, a groan, or a shrug. It's also not counted if executed slowly, sloppily, reluctantly, half-heartedly, or grudgingly. Unwavering obedience, if performed correctly, will have the person demanding it, believing that the child relishes, nay, would fight for the very privilege of performing whatever task has been asked of him. I taught my children to come when I called, to fetch and carry when I requested, not to ask too many questions when my tone was urgent, and to stop instantly when commanded to do so. I didn't want them to pull away from me as my brother had done one afternoon as we were crossing a busy London road. Oh, it seems like but a year or so ago. Stop! I screamed, grabbing his coat collar and yanking him roughly roughly backwards. Why? Let go! You're hurting me! And he tore his coat from my grasp and ran headlong into a taxi whose driver was able to swerve without doing bodily damage except to my ears when he leaned on his horn and yelled expletives at us out the window. My brother was unfazed by the event and still executes dangerous moves now in a car of his own in the face of oncoming traffic. They'll stop or get out of the way as his defence. And I have to go on a break. I'll be back in a moment. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. 
Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. This afternoon, I have the pleasure of welcoming back my good friend and partner in homeschooling crime, Gretchen Rowe. As community liaison for the Calvert School, Gretchen fields a lot of questions from mums, dads, and children in the homeschool trenches, and she knows just what is going on in busy households similar to yours and mine. She has one of her own. She is mother of two college graduates, one junior, one freshman, a seventh grader, and a second grader. Gretchen knows her stuff and her insights are invaluable. Today we're going to be asking the question, is your family affected by the digital age? To which unanimously we will all more than likely answer, you're kidding me, right? But before we tackle that one, welcome back to my show, Gretchen. Oh, hi, Vivian. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Um, I know it's the 5th of July where you are, and it is where I am as well. The 4th of July is my favorite holiday, and I have to confess, I'm tired today from watching fireworks until midnight last night. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we didn't get any fireworks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we get those later on and then we get them for the whole summer and it just stretches into November for Guy Fawkes Day. And uh, so we're having <laughs> that's right. That's break. right. Yeah. My children were actually talking about Guy Fawkes Day yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, they were? <laughs> um, yes, because I have a daughter who um, has a favorite movie that involves Guy Fawkes Day. So. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. Um, so I thought so, of you when, when they discussed that. And, you know, the truth of the matter is um, when I told, when I said to talking about the digital age, we can't go anywhere anymore without some sort of encounter with something in the digital world. Um, yet last night we were trying to figure out where we were going to go to see fireworks. <laughs> and um, one of my kids came upstairs and said, well, I Googled times. And, and here's when this is and here's when that is. And um, so, you know, it's amazing how ubiquitous that has become. That's uh, right. That's right. Well, um, who have you got home with you now, now that school is over? Who's there? <laughs> this summer I have um, my youngest who will be eight next week. And then I have a 14-year-old son who will begin ninth grade in the fall. And I have um, my daughter who is a junior in college is here for the summer, and my daughter who just finished her freshman year of college is here for the summer. And okay. um, the junior goes to school here locally but um, has plans to move up closer to uh, the school she attends um, probably by the end of the summer. So we'll, we'll go back down to a smaller household. There's always uh, a modicum of chaos here no matter how many people are here. So. <laughs> Yeah, right. So um, the junior junior in college, uh, is the junior in college going to be a senior in college next year? Well, uh, I would think so, yes. However, um, she has been talking of, speaking of changing her major. So I'm oh. still identifying her as the junior in college because you know what that means. If you change your major, you're there longer. Yeah, um, And right. it's been an interesting conversation over the summer whether completing a degree in the field you're in and then finding suitable employment outside of that field is a more appropriate avenue or changing your degree to something interests you more is a more appropriate avenue. So that's an ongoing discussion here in our household and a very interesting one. 
Well, you know, what people tend to do here is they tend to pursue a degree that interests them. Like my brother, for example, has a history degree, but he doesn't use his history degree for anything. He just used his degree to get him a job. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that is the mindset most of us who are um, celebrating more than 29 birthdays have. Yes. Um, what I'm finding is that that's not necessarily the mindset of the kids under the age of 25 nowadays. They are beginning to look carefully at, do I want to incur debt to do this? Yeah. Or yeah. Um, do I perhaps want to uh, find something that I want to do and then incur that debt toward a goal? Um, and I think college is more becoming a skill set than mm. a degree per se. So. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> it's it's an ongoing argument here. Neither my husband nor I um, work in the fields for which we obtained our degrees. <laughs> so, yeah. And I keep telling her her oldest brother and oldest sister do indeed work in the fields for which they obtained their degree. But they're well, anomalies in the world today. They are not the norm. So we'll see. Well, <laughs> Well, you know, three of my four children and my fourth fourth one is working towards it are all working in their fields that they got their degrees in. That's great. That's I know. good to hear. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, I, I suppose it just depends on whether or not they just first off had this love and went and got the degree in what they loved and that because they had already decided that's what they wanted to do. Because I know my zookeeper, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to work in a zoo. So he went and got his degree and worked in a zoo. So, Right. You know, right. So, and, you I, know, um, my eldest son is, is an example of that. He um, started college as a biology major and was a 4.0 biology major and absolutely hated what he was majoring in. And um, we said to him at one point in time, why are you doing this? And he said, well, because I know I can get a job. And mm-hmm. we said, yeah, but getting a job doing something you don't love is not worth all the money you would do it for. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, he actually changed his degree, um, and he graduated with honors this spring with a degree in um, graphics design and typography. And mm-hmm. he has worked for Calvert for two years, but actually today is his last day at Calvert because he's going to work for the company that was on the number one company on his bucket list. And uh, they sought him out and asked him to candidate for a position, and so he starts there on Monday. So we're very excited for him. So he's just graduated, right? He did. He graduated in May, and he has um, worked full-time the last two years he's been in school, as well as being in school full-time. So he's skilled at multitasking. uh, Yeah. Well, it sounds as though um, his work, though, allows him to work from a computer and from anywhere, or did he have to go into an office? Um, he, d- he does go into the Calvert office, but um, much of what he did, he has become what is known as a web producer. He's the mm-hmm. person who designs back-end content for um, Calvert's website um, mm-hmm. and keeps things functional and, and working well. So um, it's it's an amazing thing, and he really is quite self-taught. It's not what he got his degree in, but it is what he has become very um, skilled at, enough that he now does consulting work on the side and um, is using that to um, fund his wife's master's degree. So right. pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And are they the ones with children? No. Um, my eldest daughter and her husband are okay. the uh, – the ones 
with two and a half children. We're expecting to be grandparents again in November, so we're very excited oh, really? about that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. great. Oh, it just seems like yesterday. It doesn't seem very long since she had her last baby because she's still at home with you, wasn't she? I mean, she, no, they yes, moved that's home. right. She was here. They have yeah. um, moved into their own place, and I don't get to see them as often as I did when uh, they, they spent 11 months living with us, and that was really um, a lot of fun. Um, and a, a testament to the fact that we all love each other dearly as we learned to um, meld two households together. And um, mm-hmm. uh, we still get along well. So, <laughs> in fact, we're all getting ready to go on vacation together in two weeks. So I guess it worked out really well. Oh, well, good. Oh, good. And um, I was going to ask you, when you suddenly get everybody at home who's been away, you know, your college students have been doing other things, and they come home, it makes more work for you unless you can divvy out, you know, sort of responsibilities. So how do you do that? Um, Not always gracefully. (laughs) (laughs) The truth of the matter is we we try and watch each other's back as far as what needs to be done. Um, I, in the last year, have traveled extensively for Calvert, Mm -hmm. and because of that travel, um, my husband has had to change the way he approaches many of the things that he does here at home, and he has been a saint to step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, my my girls both are working full-time this summer. One is working two jobs, so they're hardly ever here. When they're here, they're usually asleep. So um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's sort of like having extra people in the household because we're buying more food, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're actually seeing extra but um but they still need to have some kind of responsibilities so uh absolutely absolutely and they're very um i i i tell everyone this i would not you know you would talk about technology i could not live without a google calendar all of us share um our google calendars with each other and everybody has a different color on my calendar so that way, if I know I'm unavailable, and we're, we're, I should say we have four adults sharing three cars, so um, it's wonderful opportunity to have someone be of service to someone else if someone has to go somewhere. My 14-year-old even got a job this summer, so you got to throw that one into the mix, too. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and before we go on our break, and then after our break, we'll talk about our, our main thing. Now, you've got an eighth grader who's going to be a ninth grader next year. And I don't know, if I took my notes right the last couple of times that we've spoken, ninth, he will hit ninth grade at Calvert next year. Well, no, actually, right um, we've had some changes this summer on his oh. behalf. Um, he should, he has been a seventh grader this year with Calvert and doing some eighth grade work. So he's, you know, in that odd anomaly of homeschooling where you're not necessarily strictly in a single grade. Mm-hmm. And um, he is going to be doing some eighth grade work this year through Calvert. And then he's also going to have the opportunity to take a couple of classes through um, a high school tutorial that's here. So he's really, um, he would prefer me to identify him as a ninth grader, but he's sort of split somewhere between the two. Okay, so he's not, are you going to continue with the ninth grade? Are you going to move him through Calvert or are you going to do we're it hoping, We're hoping to do that. Calvert is going to debut a ninth grade, but we won't really have that 
up and available until this time next year. So I'm not yeah. sure what components of that curricula he will be doing with Albert. He's very precocious in science, so he's mm-hmm. moving into a an honors high school biology this year mm-hmm. because he thinks his chosen career path will be marine biology. So he wants right. to begin this course so he can begin a volunteer position at the National Aquarium next spring. Right. So okay. he has some lofty well, we goals to, set aside. We have to go on a short break, but we'll be right back to continue talking to uh, Gretchen. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Now, Gretchen, we were just talking a little bit about everywhere we turn you know, we are, we are confronted with the digital age, and some of it is fantastic, you know. But it can become really addictive, especially if you have one of those little phones that's attached to the Internet. And literally, you're kind of on it all the time. Oh, I'll just look that up, or oh, I'll just check that. Or here, train ta- train times and bus times. You know, my husband and I are standing at the bus stop, and we text a number, and we're given, you know, sort of when the next bus is due and, and all of that. And I'm going, you know, <laughs> as if we can't just wait 
wait for it to come around the corner. You know, we like to know, oh, two minutes. Okay, well, that, that's, that's not too bad. And, oh. Right, so because we no me, longer have patience me. in this society. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we taught you, to, you, you have just finished doing something for Calvert on digital addiction. So yes. talk a little bit about that for us. And, and, well, it's and been kind we can... of fascinating. The, um, just to give you a little bit of the backstory so you'll understand why Lucas and I hosted this webinar event in June. Um, <clears throat> we, Lucas and I personally struggled with his affinity for all things digital from a very, very young age. And um, uh, there were upsides to that and downsides to that. And one of the things that I learned is you have to relate to each child differently as far as the boundaries you put upon them and um, how to make their lives work in the digital world. Very often I encounter particularly Christian homeschooling families who will say, I really I don't want my kids exposed to that, so we're just not going to participate in that. And I have to say five years ago I could understand that point of view. In this day and age, having experienced some of the things some of my friends have experienced, I think that might be a point of view that's setting a child up for ultimate failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's not, not standing in judgment of someone else's parenting. I have a good friend, and I tell this story in the, in the webinar that we've recorded. Um, they were very strict in, in what they allowed their son to um, do digitally before he went off to college, and he went off to a wonderful private college and failed out of school because he mm-hmm. found the digital world and he became so engrossed in that world that he forgot to go to class. Now, you and I, being adults, can't imagine how you could do that, but with a young child whose frontal lobe is not completely developed, that's not an uncommon thing to do, to realize that once you get into this um, cyber world, time becomes suspended. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was thing number one. And Lucas and I had had several conversations with this young man that we're talking about. I, I'm happy to say now has gone back to college. He had leave college for a year and learn how to manage himself before he could return to college. He's now a college graduate. He's a successful young man. But in the course of that, over the winter, we had posted a resource up on our Facebook page about how helpful a game called Minecraft could be to um, use it in a creative atmosphere. And we had a mom post up how much she hated Minecraft because her son had become so obsessed with it that he was losing sleep, he was getting up in the middle of the night, they were blocking computer access, and he was still sneaking around the house and getting on the computer and things like that. So that elicited a, a conversation between Lucas and I about what do you do and how, how, what would be a good balance? How would that look? And we had the privilege of taking an eight-day business trip together in April and really, this occupied much of our downtime talking about this. And so out of that, we grew a webinar that talked about boundaries and digital resources and the things that parents could use to affirmatively work with their children in the digital world and um, help them learn to manage themselves and their own boundaries. And that was the presentation that we did in June that also – Um, led us to want to reprise a presentation I did back in January. I had the privilege of attending some workshops last year with a psychologist who is the preeminent researcher on how um, 
digital pursuits affect a developing child's brain. Mm. And he had, his research was so phenomenal that I put together a presentation based on his research for our families that we did back in January. We're actually going to reprise that presentation for families this July. Families who attended our, our June seminar will be able to attend this July seminar or see the recorded version. And we don't limit these to Calvert families. We make these this information open to anybody who has a child who is interested in their academics, whether they're homeschooled, public schooled, private schooled, no matter what, um, because we believe this information is very valuable. And I have to say Dr. Rosen was wonderful enough to provide me with all of his data and information so that we could um, share that with families. The tough part was taking um, an eight-hour presentation and boiling it down to 45 minutes. Yeah. But I think yeah. we've got some good things to share with families. Mm. So you say um, that the psychologist has, has um, they've already done studies. Now, how long has the digital age been around with us? You know, not really. Well, he's been that- doing these studies now for some 20 years. Oh, really? Um, and so he has not only anecdotal research, he has longitudinal research, he has short-term study research. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, interestingly enough, that got Lucas interested enough that he actually went and read another book um, written not by a psychologist, but actually written by a journalist. The book is called The Shallows, and mm-hmm. um, it talks about how working in digital pursuit changes how your mind orients itself to things. Mm. And um, even minimal exposure will change the way your brain changes up its capacities. And not the, the premise was it's not a bad thing, but you have to make sure that you work with it correctly because it could become a digital addiction or a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So can we get those kinds of addictions just by, by reading? Well, I don't know about you, know, you a book. but I've always been the type of <laughs> who, if I get in a really good book, you might not get dinner. <laughs> I know, I know. Or, or, or even writing, reading or writing. I mean, were, were those so, why is it so addictive? Has it got something to do with the, the movement on the screens and that? It does to a degree. Okay. It also has to do with um, uh, stimulating the pleasure centers of the brain. Okay. Um, and. And people who have a propensity toward excess, be it um, food or drink or um, pharmaceutical, are more likely to have addictions. So if there is an addictive personality in your family, um, you know, people can be addicted to anything. People are Mm. addicted to exercise. Mm. Um, I'm not (laughs) (laughs) and would never be, but... um, uh, it it happens. So right. um, there's different ways we all need to learn to adapt. And uh, one of the things that I think is most important is as particularly as education moves more digitally oriented, we need to learn how to help our kids function with that digital orientation successfully. Mm. Um, one of the things that I have heard um, in the last six months, and I don't know if you've heard this, but they're talking more and more about high schools doing something that's called a flipped classroom, where the teacher yeah. actually records her classroom presentation and the student's required to watch it outside of class. Oh. So all of the discussion and the thinking portion of the classroom experience occurs in the classroom. Okay. 
So they watch the class. And so when they come to class, supposedly they've got all the information. And so they can right. just discuss what they've. That's, that's correct. What that yeah. also does is that means that you're no longer bound well or poorly by the boundaries of a limited class time. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. Your teacher can send you outside the class to do research and your discussion is what occurs in the class, then all of a sudden there's more hours and time for you to engage in that instruction, which I'm not necessarily sure is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you talk a lot about time management, but we are talking about digital um, addiction. And I, w- I would imagine that it's just management, period. And Parents really need to know the importance of the digital age in order to be able to help their children. Because as you said, there are different boundaries that need to be set for different children, depending on what your child's like. You can't have a family boundary because that, right. that might not work for some of your children. Right. That's very right. true. And the, the other thing I think is really uh, particularly important is um, because we, you know, we want to learn our, ch- our, our children to learn to manage themselves socially. We want to, our children to learn to manage themselves financially. We want our children to learn to manage themselves as far as making good, healthy choices for what they consume and, and the beverages that might attract them as adults and those kinds of things. I think as parents we need to orient ourselves in the same way that we want them to learn good digital habits. And, you know, that extends to us as parents as well. If I am so engaged in my smartphone that I can't pay attention to my kids, then maybe I need to model those good behaviors so my children can learn them from me. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I was out for a walk today and there are lots of dogs on this big common and one woman did not have her dog on a leash and it went over to this dog that was on a leash. Well, this woman who owned the free dog was on the phone and she was calling the dog. The dog was not responding. And in the end, the owner said, will you come and get your dog? She said, I'm talking to someone. And they said, you need to come and get your dog. He's, I'm calling him. Well, he's not responding. Well, he will respond. Um, I have to, I'm on the phone. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, and I mean, this is a dog, okay. But the same thing, I see people walking around with their children. They're at the park with their kids. They're pushing them in the stroller. They're on their phones. They're not right. interacting at all with their right. young children. Their young children are going to grow up knowing that mom is constantly on the phone. And they can probably get away with murder while she's on the phone because she's really not paying attention to them. Well, you know, it's interesting that you should say that because when I was in Florida, Lucas and I had pretty much put to bed the content for this presentation beginning in June. And I was in Florida doing a presentation at a homeschooling conference in Memorial Day weekend. And one night, my colleague and I went out to dinner, and there was a family sitting at the table next to us with two absolutely adorable, precious-looking little girls. And mom and dad never paid attention to each other. They never paid attention to their children because they were totally absorbed in whatever was going on in the little device in their hand. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, if I could only get a picture of this Mm -hmm. and have parents see what the impact of that is. What it looks um, like. And yeah. it, was, it affected me um, yeah. very often now. My husband would say, I tried to reach you and you didn't answer your phone. And I said, well, yeah, I'd put it away. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Gretchen, we've got to go on another short break. Come back for five more minutes because I have a couple of questions to ask on where we can find your webinar and, um, you know, okay. about what we've been talking about. Okay. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Gretchen, you answered one of my questions. Um, I was going to ask you if someone who doesn't use Calvert, can they still you know, tap into your webinars and, and you said Absolutely. yes. All right. So where, where do they go to find the webinars? If they go to homeschool.calvertschool.org, mm-hmm. and that will take them to the main page of our Calvert website, and then right up on the center of the page it says About Homeschooling, and they okay. can click on that, and it will pull down a menu. And at the very bottom of that menu is the Calvert Information Session. Okay. That will take you to our information. Have done logged up there. So if families would like to hear the presentation we did last month on digital addiction, they can access that right straight from the Calvert website. So it is on there? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And In fact, it's the first the, one posted up there. I'm not sure is. how we managed that, but. Okay. And um, you said that there was one that you had in January. Is that still on there, the one with the psychologist? Uh, well, interestingly enough, we had had some challenges. I presented that three times, and we had separate challenges with recording that each time. So uh, that's one uh, of the reasons we decided to reprise that presentation okay. in July so that we can get a clean recording. Okay. And so those live presentations are also can be found on that same page. Mm-hmm. And then once we um, do the two live presentations, then we'll post that digital recording up as well. Okay. Okay. And these all are about an hour, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I watched the one on time management and you talked about time bank, banking time that was very interesting i would i would encourage um everybody to go and watch that one because that was really interesting the way you um you know sort of had how long is do you think it's going to take you to do this lesson and how long it actually took and if they did it came in under you know they get 15 minutes banked what do you what right. do your children do with that banked time what what how do you use that <laughs> usually digital pursuits yeah, yeah. <laughs> to tell you the truth um yeah. very often um we, we are my my seven-year-old and 14-year-old are big fans of minecraft um, they are also big fans of a couple of other games that they play with siblings and their dad. And um, so those 
pursuits are focused for them into their um, successful reward for the time they've spent in their academics. So um, digital pursuits in our house become a currency of school. Yeah, yeah. And but but you know Calvert uses you know the digital world, which is which is wonderful. Yes. But obviously, if it's educate, if they can prove that it's educational, not just pure gaming. Right, right. That's um, um, and that's one of the things that we talked about is how do you set up that kind of situation so you don't have a child who is um, enjoying the fruits of non-productive time in the midst of what should be productive time. So mm-hmm. we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's so distracting sometimes because I'll I'll get on and I I know I've got to write, but I have to be at my computer, and I don't have any sounds alerting me that my email um, has has popped because I don't want that. And I have to make myself in the morning sit down for the first three hours and not do anything else but write. And mm-hmm. then after that, I can get on. And all I'm doing is research. It's not as if I'm getting onto mindless stuff or gaming or anything like that. I'm researching my next, you know, guests and you know all kinds of things. But it does, you know, you can find a link that'll take you over here and take you over there, and you're just kind of jumping all over the place. And time just flies by. <laughs> it is amazing how how easy it is. Um, and some of the things that Lucas provided as far as resources. Um, Parents can also find up posted on our website um, on um, if they go in and they type in um, in the search line digital resources, mm-hmm. they can find um, all of the resources that Lucas mentions in um, the, uh, the presentation that we do. We provided um, uh, five different kinds of time management tools mm-hmm. that parents could use to help their children stay focused on their tasks, and we provided mm-hmm. a list of different kinds of parental controls and um, even uh, references to the books that um, we referenced in the presentations. So if parents want to go do some mm-hmm. of their own reading and research, they can find that on the resources page as mm-hmm. well. So. Absolutely. So there's no there's no denying it. There's no pretending it's not there. You've just got to face face your what is it? Face your enemy, and you can win the battles. So. I, I think so. I think that's a very true thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Gretchen, we've come to the end of our time. I've been talking to Gretchen Rowe, community liaison for the Calvert School and presenter of webinars for international home educating audiences. Gretchen also conducts workshops at conferences around America and has used the Calvert curriculum with her family for 20 years because with Calvert, she can homeschool for herself, but not by herself. We talked about digital addiction and ways in which to get your children unplugged without becoming unglued yourself. For more information on the Calvert curriculum, go to the website, which I have linked on my Toginet radio page. Gretchen, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. You have a safe weekend and a happy summer and a good vacation. Well, thank you. And you as well, Vivian. It's always good to hear your voice on my phone. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Well, last week my guest was Sue Patterson, and we were talking about parenting, and she had um, radical – she was a radical unschooler, she said, and she had some wonderful parenting methods, which really weren't a whole lot different from mine. And um, we all – want the very best for our children. We don't want to stifle them. And But how we manifest that desire depends on our personalities mainly, really, doesn't it? Similar to my obedience observations earlier. In a few weeks, um, I'll be talking to travelers who take their children all over the world as part of their educational experience. Some of them have been out for years. 
Other parents use organized curriculum like Calvert School in a Box that Gretchen and I were just talking about. And still other parents want their children to experience stability like we did by living in the same house for the duration of their childhoods and not selling it until just a couple of months ago. I mean, it's really only been a couple of months, but it seems like a long time ago. There are many ways to school and raise our children and not one way is the right way. And as Sue said, the most important thing is our relationships with our children. How true is that? And I'm realizing now that we're living with our 21-year-old aspiring dancer barista that it's really, really important to have a good relationship. Recently, well, since her employment here in merry old England, she has had a slight change of schedule. And it's not really slight. It's quite a reversal. She no longer has to open the coffee shop. Instead, she closes it, meaning that she catches a late train home instead of competing with the birds for worms at dawn, which is is what she was doing the last time we were here. After a certain hour, the trains stop running every quarter of an hour and run every half an hour. And because she doesn't finish until 9.30 in the evening, she usually has the misfortune of watching her train slowly pull out of Victoria Station nanoseconds after her rushed arrival on the platform. So now she doesn't rush and she catches the next train. But it doesn't get her home until 10.50. The fact that dinner will be waiting for her and not just in the fridge to be microwaved, but set out on the table already for when she's jumped out of her shower and into her pajamas, helps her walk the last half a mile up the hill home, I'm sure. And as I hinted just now, we're not safely. Her parents, Dad and I, are not safely snuggled in bed when she turns her key in the lock. Nope. We are a willing audience to which she can play out her days ups and downs. Her cowboy dad prepares her meal and I am the one that gets to listen to her news because she brings her dinner into the bedroom and uses my dressing table ottoman as her table. Other times she has come if she's not eating and sat on the bed when we both turned in for a read and had a beer and a natter until gone midnight. I'm looking at my clock and I'm thinking, is she ever going to go to bed? But we just love her company and thank goodness is all I can say for days off. And she gets two of those a week. I'm exhausted because, you see, I go to bed late and I get up early and she goes to bed late. She doesn't have to get up until later because she doesn't have to be at work until two or three in the afternoon, you see. But we just still get up. So we're burning the candle at both ends. My cousin in Canterbury, when she found out that Dortz was living with us, asked what she liked to live with. You know, is she easy or fun or difficult? Perhaps the thoughts of having her children living back at home with her had her shuddering inside for a moment, especially as she just got rid of her oldest daughter and their, her three children, who had found themselves without a home and turned to steady mum and dad, who double as the grandparents too, for shelter. Lucky them. We never stop being parents, do we? And yes, we went to Canterbury on Sunday to visit my cousins and their mother and their children and their children. <laughs> the trains were running well as long as we paid attention and got on the right carriage so as not to be dropped off and whisked away to another part of the East Coast. Now, I don't know if that happens in other places in America, but here in England, tra trains do that. And um, the little maneuver on this particular train journey happens at Faversham. And there was a ticker board in our carriage listing all the stations that we were passing through. And I was looking around for a carriage number, but there wasn't one. And I decided that they probably shouldn't put a carriage number number on a carriage because if they take a carriage off and have to put it back on again they're going to have to deal with numbers which would just make the whole thing really too confusing but then I heard an announcement come over 
um, the tannoy. And it told us that we were traveling on coach number eight, no, number nine of eight. And I went, what? What does that mean, coach number nine of eight? So I told my text and thinking that he'd appreciate the British dry sense of humor. And he just thought I'd been eavesdropping on a passenger behind us. And he said, what does she know? And then it flashed up on the screen where all the stations were. And um, I said, Look, there it is. Look, this is coach number nine of eight. And we just had to get a photo. So up he got, and he got me a photo just to prove it. So I posted it to my children. And um, the front coaches were going to go elsewhere after Faversham. And the, the back four coaches were going to go where we wanted to go. So I really, really, really wanted to walk through to the back coaches and see whether they were labeled coach 10, 11, and 12 of eight. I just think that's really weird. Railway train English has a dialect of its own. Anyway, we had lunch at the Canterbury family home, and then we motored off to their beach hut in Whitstable, a big thing by the coast here in Britain, beach huts. And we spent a lazy afternoon in the sun watching people swim, children play in dinghies and enjoying the rare sight of the wind turbines on the horizon. Horizon. Nearby Hearn Bay looks like a Greek island with all its houses clustered on a hillside stretching for the sea. Everything looks better in the distance and in the sunshine. We could see South End where Dort spent last year. It was that clear. We drank tea and we sat in deck chairs and we enjoyed each other's company being very, very English. Tomorrow is the boozy garden party at the flats again. Tents being raised, tables and chairs are prepared. Last year we passed in favour of going into town to experience the Queen's Jubilee and this year we're going to Bath because Dort is working her alma mater show at the Shaw Theatre all weekend and seeing her friends so we decided to do something more constructive with our time alone and I'm done for a week I'm off to Bath as I just said tomorrow happy second wedding Simon and Lindsay and everybody out there have a great 4th of July weekend and all Americans across the pond and those on this side too I'll be back same time same place next week with more ado about London that's Friday at noon in Texas or 6pm here in Merry Old without further ado I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief the hard working staff at TogiNet Radio my guests this week Gretchen Rowe and you all my faithful listeners stay tuned all all the time catch lots of great shows the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you the lord turn his face upwards and give you peace number six 24 to 26 Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Tokyo.